We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Roots podcast. This episode 43. Of the podcast, could, I believe could be. that could, could be so. somewhere somewhere in that range. Roughly. We appreciate you guys. Roughly forty three podcasts deep here. We're gonna have to do something special for, uh, for the big five zero, but, uh, but but plenty of time to figure that one out. Matt, pleasure joining you this morning. We got some topics. We're gonna be all over the place on the pod, not as uh, down the line football, baseball, basketball as we usually are, but we got some stuff to hit. We got some segments for people. It's gonna be a good time. Matt, tell me something good. Joe, I just want to wish you a happy Valentine's Day. Oh, I know it's a day you're, late. You're, you're, you're too sweet, man. You're pretty much you're my podcasting sweet. Valentine, so okay. I didn't that's, get that's anything, great. but I, just I love all to, the. Uh, to wish I love all. The, I love all the like sports Valentines that you see on Twitter and Instagram, like all the memes. Um, like I'd trade everyone for you with, with a LeBron. picture of LeBron. Yeah, there's the one where one. like I'd drop anything for everything for you with Tom Brady yeah. missing that yeah. catch in the Super Bowl. That was a good one too. So those are uh, those are those are always fantastic. So. Um, happy Valentine's Day to you as well. Thank man. You. You got, I, was uh, waiting. I was waiting for you to reciprocate. Did you get some? Uh, you get candy? Like, what'd you, what'd you get? Uh, did you get some? What'd you get? Did you get anything special? Uh, yeah, no, I didn't get anything. Your Valentine Rob kind of hit the road on you. And, yeah, and you know, we we probably would have went out for a nice dinner, uh, a nice roommate's Valentine's dinner, but you know, he's mm-hmm. he's he's gone now, so he's not my roommate you, anymore. You said you got home a little late last night and treated yourself to a pizza. Treated so myself you, to a nice pizza. You that were was my, you were a, you were your Valentine, but it was Ash Wednesday, so I did stick to the all cheese, no meat in there. Fantastic, I, I stuck to the fantastic. I'm proud of you. Yeah, thank um, you. And you know, if, if you can't love yourself first and foremost, then. And you can't love others, Matt. So you I think, are so wise. I think uh, I think you, you did so well wise. there. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's try and channel some of that wisdom into these topics today, Matt. We got, we got a football uh, game to break down, right? There, there's something that's happened. There's there's not a football game. We will talk some football, but uh, nothing happened, Matt. I apologize. Um, we got to kind of take you out of your is, your normal swing next, of things here. There's going to be one next week, right? Next week, I'm told there are no football games either. So, but. Think about it this way: two years from now, we'll Love be two weeks into the that we'll be two weeks tough. into the XFL season. Joe, so. you just got me. You got me so rejuvenated for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> XFL season will be hitting full tilt around now. That'll be fantastic. Um, yeah, you know, and and hopefully Stone Cold will be playing fullback for the Outlaws. Hey, he did it like in the that. longest yard. He was pretty good. Yeah, uh huh. That would be a great if you can get that team. If you could put like Stone Cold, uh, Bill Romanowski. Uh, the guy who played Papa John, mm-hmm. uh, that that would be my team. I'd, I'd have to jump on board with the, the guards team. That'd I be think that they'd have a chance to win, too. <laughs> All right, Matt. Well, let's dive into these topics. we got Jesus. plenty to talk about today. Uh, pitchers and catchers are there. And the beautiful sight for Cubs fans of Jose Quintana and Yu Darvish uh, throwing throwing a couple innings next to each other on the, on the bump is what they were treated to earlier today. Uh, it's it's a sight to see. I don't think I don't think a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, you would have ever seen that happening. Those two guys next to each other, but Q and U both uh, going to be forces to be reckoned with. Let's talk about that deal that brought you Darvish to Chicago, Matt. Everyone's saying they overpaid, but that's what you got to do for top end pitching. Do you like it? Do you not like it? I mean, they overpaid in terms of what like his actual value is, probably. But mm-hmm. in terms of what pitchers have been getting the last you know few years, whatever that I don't think they overpaid for him. Actually, I mean, twenty one yeah. compared to what you see top you know top pitchers on the market. He's not Max Scherzer when Scherzer signed with the Nationals, obviously, but he's kind of that tier below it. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's an awful deal. I think they had to sacrifice a year and probably an extra year to get up to six to get them down to 21 on that average annual value. And they might have some decisions to make if they do want to be major players next year uh, in free agency for Machado and Harper. I'm not really sure how that's going to affect when it comes down the line when you know the Bryants, Russells, Baez's, even Rizzo's of the world uh, become mm-hmm. free agents. But I think free they've got to put yeah. themselves into that camp of let's win as much as we can now and we'll cross that bridge when we come to it it's it's a model that we've seen in this town it worked well with the blackhawks and they they got theirs and they're still well i don't they're not going to make the playoffs this year but they're still a competitive team i think that's what the cubs are trying to do Let, let's go for it now and let's see you know what we'll deal with that problem down the line when we get there yeah. i don't think you can argue they have a top three or four rotation in baseball easily right now 
It was, oh, absolutely. I think the names and on paper it is, but you have to get that production from guys. And when you're the Cubs, you are getting to a point in your franchise where I don't want to say you're taking it for granted, but you expect to be in the playoffs. You expect to be in that place where your pitchers have to perform at the highest level on the biggest stage. And I think that's the biggest question mark around you, Darvish, is what type of innings he's going to give you in September, October, November. And those are the most important things. And obviously you can't worry about that. Hopefully he can tack up around 20 wins before that point. Mm -hmm. But when you get to that moment, how is he going to perform? If guys are doing their due diligence on a veteran pitcher, which you got to do your due diligence on everyone. But if you're really having to dig into it, not knowing the product that you're bringing in, that's where the problem is. But obviously Jed Theo, the rest of the front office, feel like they know the product that they were bringing in. Now it's a matter of acclimating him to the clubhouse, getting him used to the guys. Obviously you have the, tr- the, the difficulties of having a translator there and, you know, just trying to work them into the day to day of your ball club of your, fl- of your franchise. And um, I, I don't think that could be overlooked, but that's what spring training's for. That's what the first two, three months of the seasons are for. So I like the pickup. If you weren't going to re-sign Arietta for whatever reason it was, you got to allot that money somewhere. It's baseball. They're fun coupons. Pay the guy and hope you end up with another World Series title. Yeah, and, and I think another thing this does too is I think it takes a lot of pressure off John Lester to be an ace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think if you didn't go out and address your rotation with another top-end name uh, and you just kind of picked up, I don't I don't know, Alex Cobb or, you know, a middle-of-the-road kind of name for your middle of the rotation and we're relying. Mm-hmm. Lester will still get the opening day start as he should because he's, you know, the anchor of that rotation still. But this takes a lot more pressure off him to be great. And I think he felt that pressure a little bit at times last year when the team was struggling that he probably had to put the team on his shoulders a little bit when he was out there. And I think you saw mm-hmm. it in his numbers. And I think this allows him to just kind of go out, be himself and not feel the weight of, I need to be an ace and, you know, be, you know, throw eight innings, one or, you know, one or run every time out. He has guys behind him now in Quintana, Darvish, Kyle Hendricks, and even Tyler Chatwood's a very serviceable fifth starter. So that, that, I think that rotation, the addition of Darvish takes so much pressure off the rest of that rotation to be good. And they can afford, you know, a Kyle Hendricks to maybe not to go down for as long as he did last year. But if Kyle Hendricks, you know, gets, has hand issues again or whatever, misses a couple weeks, a couple starts here and there, they can survive that again, which I think mm-hmm. is huge for them. And that was their issue last year with that rotation is they had Eddie Butler in that rotation for, you know, a month. Mike Montgomery was in that rotation for two months, it seemed like. Yeah. So, I mean, when you look at it and when you really compare it to the rest of the league and other pitching staffs, the Cubs are in the, in like you said, top three, if not the best position going into the season. And I think that's important. If they can get into game one healthy, you're going to see an, a Cubs team that hopefully can play to their potential opening day because that was the issue last year. And you could talk about fatigue. You could talk about the World Series hangover, call it whatever you want, but it is not a team that played to their potential for, man, the first three to four months of the season. They were playing from behind, it seemed like. If this team with this pitching staff can get out to a solid start and be playing with a lead, I think they're going to be you know, riding on riding on easy street for I think the majority they have of the to season. Be the, I think they have to be the favorites in the NL. Um, I mm-hmm. still think the Dodgers are a really good team, but I think this this move you know, taking Darvish from their rotation mm-hmm. adds you know, puts the Cubs vaults them over the Dodgers. And I think the another key thing with this is a lot of people are saying they they might have to move out. You know, one of their MLB you know key in you know, out, infield or outfield pieces, bats like Schwarber and Almora or even a Russell to get. A, a pitcher, a top-end rotation starter, and this lets them keep their lineup intact, which is, mm-hmm. I would say, probably, I, I'm not going to put them ahead of Houston, but, I mean, them and the Yankees are kind of neck and neck, I would say, for the second-best lineup in all of baseball. You don't lose anything from that, which I think is also huge because when that lineup's firing on all cylinders, I think it is as ho- it is as good as anybody in baseball when it's hitting well, and uh, keeping that intact is massive for them going forward in a division that's suddenly gotten a lot more competitive with the Brewers and Cardinals adding you know, some key pieces. Yeah, definitely going to be some great competition in the Central. And if you look at it on the most basic of level of what was our need, did we, did we fill a need? I think the answer is yes. You know, they needed pitching. They needed a top-end arm. They needed an ace, especially with guys like Lester, Arietta, Lackey, Hendricks not really hitting their marks last year. This is something that you needed. And if you're going to fill a need and make a big splash in free agency, go ahead and do it. This would be one thing if they were looking to now move someone out of the rotation. You know, they had to fill this need and they did it to the umpth degree. You know, they got went and got 
the guy who a lot of teams were desiring. So good on and the Cubs. And like you said, when you you, you gotta overpay. Exactly. That's, that's the only way you're gonna that's the only way you're gonna end up sport. with a big name in a free agency bid, any pro sport, and you're not dealing with as difficult as con uh, difficult um salary cap constraints as other sports too so and they they never say it i don't think and they shouldn't but i i think all along this was their top choice with even with arietta being a free agent as good you think so i think as good as he was for that organization for what was it four or five years they saw depreciating assets. he he was not himself he still had some big time performances in playoff games and that's his mo that's what jake arietta always did he always wanted the ball in the biggest situations but i don't think you can deny that his he was declining. He was not getting any better. His his velocity was down. He was getting hurt a little bit more often. And mm-hmm. I think if you asked them 10 times out of 10, Theo would tell you, you Darvish was always the guy we wanted. Uh, it, it was the right time to let Arietta walk. And I, I don't think – I think Cubs fans know how important he was to that organization. Arguably, outside of Theo Epstein, the, mo- the most important addition to that organization in this Cubs era, that World Series team. Yeah. But at the same time, it's it, – it's a business, and everybody kind of has their time. And it was time to let let Jake walk, I think. And I think they tell they they would tell you that. I think it was like it was like letting Sharpie walk. You know, it wasn't Kane or Taze. It wasn't Rizzo. You know, it wasn't the core, but it was a guy. It's the who first. Had. It's the first major piece yeah. of it. It, it. it it was a core piece. It wasn't your you know like That's, you said the, yeah. the the two or three best in the organization. Whatever. Like, it wasn't yeah. Brian or Rizzo, but it was the first you know core piece of that group that you know you're seeing leave. And that's, yeah, and if you, that's tough. And if you want to have sustained success, that's what you have to do. You have to reinvent. And this is the Cubs reinventing to mm-hmm. a certain extent. Uh, Matt, you got any plans getting down to Arizona for a little uh, preseason, for a little spring training baseball? I wish, Joe, that would be. That, that's Come on, get on down the, there. That's on the bucket list at some point. Um, you okay. know, hopefully, hopefully maybe get work to pay that for me at somewhere down the pay that for or pay the, for yeah. that for me somewhere down the line. That'd be nice. Uh, I am, however, uh, Leaving for Florida, I'll be in Florida 24 hours from now. Oh, uh, lovely, head, lovely little head down, trip. Play, play a little golf with uh, with with my dad and brother and cousin for for uh, a nice long weekend down there. Got a day off work, switch some things around, so I got a nice long weekend down there. Well, again, thank you for the invite. But um, oh, I you want to fly out to Sacramento? Joe, you're officially who knows? invited. You're officially who invited. knows, man? Well, it's too late now. I have some things. That's I have some I things that I can't really move around, but. Uh, I am tentatively heading down to spring training le- about a month from today. I think we're going to go mid-March, check out the Giants, do a little work there. And I was just thinking it'd be nice to do a little Moose and Rune spring training edition. If, we you, start, if you meet up we with start Mark rubbing Melanson, elbows with the heavy, heavy If you hitters. meet up with Mark Melanson and, uh, and, at Giants camp, uh, let, let uh-huh. him, he, I know Mark. Okay. I went to I'll Vegas with Mark I'll, one time. I'll let, Drop my name. I'll let, I'll let him know that you know him. Yeah. How does that sound? See if you, see okay. if you, you know, tell, tell him you do a podcast with me. You want him on it. He'll, oh, okay. he'll do it. Mark, Mark gotcha. we're we're buds. We went to Vegas together. We played craps together. No big deal. Nice. Well, I'm writing that. I'm writing that all down. Right yeah, now, he'll so. remember. <laughs> all right, Matt. Well, there's plenty going on around uh, many leagues, including the NBA, starting to get to the All Star break. And I know things drop off a little bit after the All Star break. We kind of know who these teams are. We know where they sit in the standings, and the standings usually look the same on the day going into the All Star break as they do going into the playoffs. So let's just fast forward this thing and get to the playoffs. Is my opinion, sure. but. Still plenty of basketball to be played and an exciting weekend ahead with All-Star Weekend. I think it is the top of all the major sports, of all the major leagues. It's the top All-Star break, All-Star Weekend in terms of just the faces you see, what they actually do on court, and the things surrounding it. Um, Always an exciting time. Uh, Matt, what are you looking for out of NBA All-Star Weekend? Uh, The the dunk contest is always fun to watch, and I think you got – not big names in it this year, but you got, I think, some more recognizable names in it this year, and I think that's probably what I'd be most likely to tune in and watch. Mm-hmm. Um, Three-point contest is always fun. I just, I usually tune into everything but the actual game, honestly. Like, I, I won't yeah. I won't sit down and watch the entirety of, you know, All-Star Saturday night, but th- that I, I do like flipping around and checking out some things, and I actually am a little bit more inclined to tune into that Rising Stars game and see how Dunn and Markinen compare to each other. Um, I know Rising going, Stars game will be yeah, good. They won't be on the same team because it's a it's a USA versus the World format. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, maybe maybe they have a little bit of a showdown. And I know they're not exactly the uh, in the same position group that would be guarding each other, but maybe uh, see one of them take each other one on one. Who knows? But that that might be something to catch my interest with some bulls in there. 
I'll definitely be watching the Rising Stars game. Bunch of Bulls in there, three Sacramento Kings in there, and Bogdan Bogdanovich, Buddy Heald, and De'Aaron Fox. So that'll be a good watch for the Sacramento fans as well. I love the celebrity game. I love watching to see what celebrities have jumpers, who, who's got a little bit of game, and uh, it's going to be – it's always fun to see who's got a, a little game in their system. And I think Quavo. I'm picking Quavo right now as who's my that? MVP. Who's that That guy? is uh, the leader of the Migos. He is the, he is the, that's the main ra- – That's a rapper, right? That is a rapper. That's he a is rapper. the main Migo. I, I don't know if – I don't know if you singular singular the, the Migos I would, when you're talking about one Migo. I'd have to think well, he's 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 the lead Migo. He's Migos is Justin Timberlake for he's the, the layman. He's the head Migo. Yes. There's yeah. Quavo, Takeoff, and Offset. I'm an Offset guy myself. I think I think he's got uh, he's got the most um, you know the mo- he spits the most fire if you oh, will. Yeah, I like um, music. But but Quavo Quavo has been he's very athletic. There were some, some viral videos. There were some viral videos of him throwing a football around, throwing it into a basketball hoop, and suppose he's got a little game. So he's my pick for MVP. And maybe we could game. maybe we could turn this into a weekly segment. Joe breaks down rappers' athletic ability. Yeah, yeah. I heard Jay Z's two seam is pretty nasty. Well, he's um, like fifty now, so he probably doesn't have it anymore. Yeah, but he's he's he can really locate. He's like the Greg Maddox of rapper pitchers. So. So yeah, but we were talking. Yeah, uh, what, what were we talking about? <laughs> uh, we're talking about NBA. Well, this is NBA All Star Weekend. This is what it's about. It's about the faces. It's about the names. It's it's an event that that just so happens to have a couple basketball games. This is an event it, they're so. going to let you go down and cover out there. It's it's in uh, uh, it's will, in your state, right? I will. Yes, it is. But it's a big state, Matt. I will not be Same at thing. the All Star game, uh, unfortunately. But. Um, down, down the road, maybe someday, Matt. We'll, we'll, we'll get to an All Star weekend, and uh, maybe I could, uh, you know, make friends with Quavo and and the likes. But uh, a lot going on in the NBA, Matt. Um, I will say too, before we move, because I know we want to talk new look Cavs. That you, you did say yeah, something yeah, yeah. That, that you know the standings are going to look now the same way they do at the end of the uh, the season here. And I, I, I will say, take a look at the West. I, I just did mm-hmm. this out of curiosity. One thing Bulls fans want to take a look at, the Pelicans floating around that eight seed right now. I think they're a ha- they are a half game uh, ahead yeah. of the Clippers for that final seed. So that one, if they fall out, you never know what happens with that lottery pick. And also, I didn't know this, the Warriors are not the one seed in the West right now. And no. if Houston can steal, is somehow I don't think they will because I think Golden State will turn it on. It doesn't matter. To. Yeah. If, the, if Houston can steal the one seed, I'm not going to say they're going to beat Golden State, but they could win some games at home there and actually make that a series that goes – six or even seven games, which could be fun to yeah. watch. Yeah. Both of those teams are so deficient defensively that I couldn't even make a call there, but I just, you know, you always lean the way of Golden State. I would and, agree. Um, I, my eyes, when you're looking at the standings right now, if you go to league-wide standings, go all the way to the bottom of the table, the bottom five teams, six teams, are only separated by like a game, half game in the in the loss column. It goes by win percentage, I believe, at the end of the season. Yeah. And there are so many teams down at the bottom there that can mix and match spots and even be in the lottery, out of the lottery, have the one pick. And this is the last year that the lottery goes by the current uh, breakdown where the worst team has 25% chance of getting that first pick. I believe next year it goes to the bottom three teams all have a 14% chance of having that pick. So this is the last year where being the worst has the most incentive. So there's going to be a lot of teams battling at the bottom of the tank and, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, Sacramento finds themselves down there, and the Bulls, depending on how hard they tank, could find themselves down there. So that's going to be something to watch as well. I made a graphic on this last night, and I remember like I was shocked at how close they were. Like the Bulls, I think are ninth or eighth, and they are twenty and thirty-seven, and the Hawks were, I think, number one. They're like three games ahead only. It was like eighteen. The and worst 40, team I'm looking at it right now, or something like that. Or the Suns, 18, I think, were also. Hawks and the Suns are 18 and 41. The Mavs are 18 and 40. Orlando's 18 and 39. Sacramento 18 and 39. Memphis 18 and 38. Brooklyn 19 and 40. And then the Bulls 20 and 30, 37. So any one of the short, teams, there is a could, lot of crap in yeah. there. Yeah. Long story short, have a bad week and end up with the first overall pick. It, there you go. How things could shake down. But uh, Matt, no, we, let's, let's take it back up to the, the NBA. Yeah, let's take it back up to the let's top of the NBA. Basketball. And, uh, you know, you're looking at, in the in the East, you're looking at Boston and Cleveland. Cleveland looking like a team with a, a rejuvenated sense of purpose. George Hill coming aboard and all these other guys coming aboard. IT gets shipped out at the deadline. A lot of movement. LeBron's, I mean, I think it was more of a an extension of the front office. I don't know who said what or who requested what. I know people were saying, oh, LeBron said, I want everyone out of here. I don't think that's how this went down. Nonetheless, 
a whole new cast of characters around LeBron, and with a two-game sample size, it looks to have kind of reignited a fire inside of him and in Cleveland. They look like they're ready to go and make a run at another one, but this is all knee-jerk. This team's going to hit a slow skid in the middle of the second half, and I I do see Cleveland-Boston, and I see Boston coming out of the East still, but you can put anyone around LeBron James, and you're going to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. I, I tend to disagree with you on the, the outcome of the East. I think this trade, you said it, it has rejuvenated LeBron, but I, I think this trade has given them enough to be the be the team that does come out of the East. I, I'm still not 100% sold on Boston. I, I watched that game, a lot of it, uh, when they played Cleveland on, what was it, Sunday afternoon? And I know mm-hmm. it's it's still regular season basketball, and you can't, you know, take, you got to take that with a grain of salt, but... I saw Boston as a team that has one great scorer, and if nobody else is, you know, really, unless somebody else around him is on fire, they don't really have that great of secondary options. Jason Tatum's a really nice player, but I don't think he's at that point yet. And if Gordon Hayward's not back and healthy, which I doubt he is, and if he's back, I doubt he's at 100% by the Eastern Conference Finals, I'm not Mm -hmm. sure they have that firepower yet. I think that changes, and I think by next year, that's they, 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 if they're back and fully healthy and you know, Jason Tatum takes another step, they're absolutely, I think, the team to beat in the East. But Cleveland looks a lot younger. They look a lot faster. They're playing a little bit more defense. They're moving the ball a little bit better on offense. And I think what was huge for me, I think, I forget if it was George Hill or Rodney Hood, you said in the trade, basically, uh, he was at the interview the day after the day of the trade, basically said, you know, we're all Robins to LeBron's Batman. And I think that mentality wasn't necessarily, I don't think that was the mentality in the Cleveland locker before this trade. You had a guy in Isaiah Thomas who saw himself as a second Batman. You had a guy in Dwayne Wade who, though he was coming off the bench, I guarantee you never thought of himself as a Robin. Um, they, They moved out a lot of older, slower pieces who didn't quite fit, and they got a lot younger, faster, and guys who who know where their bread is buttered on that team, and that's LeBron James carrying them. And that, uh, you know, that goes a long way in just not having that internal strife. And if you can surround LeBron with love and care and, and have him be happy LeBron, happy LeBron plays a lot better than angry LeBron. A lot of guys, you know, and find their... The last couple games. Yeah, a, a lot of guys find their motivation in that anger. Your Russell Westbrook's uh, needs a chip on his shoulder. You got guys who like that who always need a chip on their shoulder. Uh, James Harden's a guy who I look at when he gets angry, he scores at just historic rates. Mm-hmm. And I always, I always think back to when he was on the thunder and underappreciated and everyone told him, Oh, you're not going to be a number one anywhere. And he's always had that chip on his shoulder. Now How did that team not win a title? I, I don't know. Uh, they were all young and still kind of figuring out their games. I think that's the only thing you can look back on, yeah. but it's he was a sixth man. He was coming off the yeah. bench in Oklahoma City. It was ridiculous. But LeBron is a guy who, when he doesn't have a reason to be angry, he LeBron. We always get it. He he's he tries hard, and you need to try hard. That's a great thing. But he tries hard for the wrong reasons sometimes. And if you just get him to try hard towards the right reason, he's the best in the world. I mean, he's the best in the world regardless. Mm-hmm. KD having an outstanding game last night, dropping fifty and. A similar talent there, a similar ceiling there, but LeBron James is head and shoulders the best player in this league, and when he is playing free and clear, you always get to see that. So, like you said, the Cavs are going to be major players in the East, probably come out of the East, in your opinion, and you know we discredit Toronto, who currently sits two games ahead of both Cleveland and Boston. Yeah, I'll, I'll believe them when I see it. Exactly, exactly. This isn't so. the first time they've sat high up in the East and, and tried to tout themselves as a legit contender. Yeah, I think that, you know, as long as Drake's sitting courtside, they might be there. You know, Maybe. they'll lose in, they'll lose in the second round, and that's it. And as it I know basketball is, is neither of our, our fortes, but and, you know, neither of our you know favorite sports to watch and all that, but is it mm-hmm. just me, or does the NBA seem a little bit more fun this year? I don't really NBA's- know why. I'm having a lot more fun watching basketball this year. I don't, I'm still not a guy who's yeah. tuning in nightly, all that stuff. But like, I don't mm-hmm. mind flipping on TNT on Thursday night to watch a random, you know, Oklahoma City uh, versus LA game or something like that. It, for what, for, I don't know why, but it seems. I still think we we know who's in the finals this year, but it just seems like those yeah. two teams might have a little bit more of you know obstacles getting there than in the past. It doesn't seem like Golden State's going to go. 
you know, 12 and 0 on their way to the finals and Cleveland's going to yeah. go, you know, 12 and 0, 12 and 1 on their way to the finals like they had in the past. You, you know, the NBA has always been fun like that and you can go back to I think the point where it became very reality TV, very soap opera-ish and I say that in the nicest way, but that sort of compelling aspect to the game is when LeBron left Cleveland and went to Miami. I think that was really the spark that created the the storylines outside of the games paralleling or even surpassing the bigness of the game. You know, it was, we know these guys. We have facial recognition of these guys. There is a finite number of them. There's only, what, 12, 14 on a roster. Mm -hmm. It's easy to get to know these guys. It's easy to know the storylines. And when the storylines are this bizarre, this wild, there's this many overlapping former teammates it, it every night you have something that you can watch and have it have a reason to watch it i think the bulls being as bad as they are also goes into that you have a lot of chicago fans whose eyes and ears are elsewhere because they know it's tank mode and how engaged can you be in a tank i, I think that that also goes into it as well well joe if you're in a tank you should be quite engaged because you're probably in like a an important situation or like a war yeah, but but who wants to put themselves through that every night? Is my point. Joe, who wants to watch? You didn't get the joke. What if, if you're, you're, in, actually, if you're like, in a, if physically, in a tank? physically inside Come on, of a you're tank? You're better than that. Well, no, you are, Matt. No, I'm you not. are. No, I'm moving not. on. We both, Matt, are not. <laughs> Matt, we got a lot to talk about. We got a lot to get to here. I don't want you to get emotional, but we're going to jump into football. We're going to go. get into football. Football's back. I, yeah, no, it's not back. That's it. it's just a guard yourself, protect okay, your heart, sorry. but we're going to talk football here. I call some myself big, back down. <laughs> some big headlines coming out of the NFL, none bigger than Jimmy Garoppolo's contract uh, to the tune of, I believe it was five years, $137.5 million, with 60 of that coming in the first two years. Uh, I've been pretty close to the situation here and had my ear to the ground with a lot of San Francisco fans here in the Northern California area. And there has been a mixed bag of reaction, obviously only seven starts in his career. And he is now the highest paid player in the league on a per year basis. That'll only last for so long because you got guys like Matt yeah. Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk cousins, all coming up on contracts who are all going to surpass him. I was going to say Matt, it, might, well, it might only last a couple of weeks until Kirk, yeah, cousins, goes Kirk cousins gets signed one somewhere. Yeah. So, but Matt, when you look at it, you look at this guy, his body of work, what do you think about the move that the 49ers made to go honestly identify their guy, see a sample size and call him the franchise quarterback? I think, you I mean, you had to do it. Um, yeah. you, you had to pay him. Uh, they had, they're in a great, uh, great spot in terms of their cap room still. Um, it, it's, it's a quarterback-driven league, and if you have a guy who you think it is, I know it's a small sample size, but if you think Jimmy G is there, is, is your guy, your franchise guy going forward, and from what we saw from that small sample size, um, I have no reason to believe that he can't be that. You have mm-hmm. to go pay him, and it's just that's the nature of the game now. We You have to overpay for free agents, but you also have to overpay to keep your guys when their contracts come up, especially if they're if they're a quarterback. And this, I feel like we get this headline literally every offseason so-and-so becomes the new highest paid player in nfl history mm-hmm. just because there's a different quarterback Matt that comes Stafford, up Derek carr it's yeah. whoever's up, jay cutler whoever's who was yeah, the highest paid gonna, player in nfl history at one point whoever's gonna set the pace and it all goes back to that contract that joe flacco signed after winning the super bowl after his defense led him to a super bowl and he got overpaid beyond his value that set it now every agent walks into the room and says look what flacco got and then after that cutler's agents or after that um Let's call it Derek Carr's agent said, look what Matt mm-hmm. Stafford got. And now Garoppolo's and if, agent is saying, look what he got. If so you're a team, this is just a going right. If you're a team, you're a general manager, you, you have to do it. Just because if if you make if you sign that contract and he doesn't turn out to be, you know, what he you know, what he should be, what you want him to be, likely after two or three years, you know, whatever it is, if it's a five year deal, so with Garoppolo probably after three years you can cut him and you don't have to worry about that, you know, the extra salary for those two years. So a five-year deal is actually you know, a two- or three-year deal. But mm-hmm. if you let that guy walk out the door and go to free agency and you don't have a valid option to you know fill in, be the next guy up, you're fired in a year or two because you made that decision. So you, you have to overpay. You have to sometimes throw a, take a risk on throwing away that money to bring in that guy because the NFL is such a quarterback-driven league that if you let that guy walk out the door, your job uh, is probably gone. Your job's on the line. 
Now, my only, I only refute you there in one way, and it is that's not your only option. But when you look at the other option, it is the best option. Look what they just did with Kirk Cousins in Washington for the last three seasons and franchise tagging him, paying him an exorbitant amount of money, and now he's not even on your team. He's not even your quarterback anymore. Mm-hmm. You could have franchise tagged Garoppolo this year for around 30, I think it's going to be, 29, somewhere in that area, and another 30 next year. That's your $60 million guaranteed that you already have signed him to. So you could lock him up, like you say, for the next five years for a guaranteed two years of $60 million, or you could franchise him for the two years, have no leverage in in negotiations after that point, and then you're looking at the quarterback market in 2020. So if he is successful in these two years of franchise tags, you're now looking at paying him $35 million a season, close to a $200 million contract. So there's your; those are your options. So I think that John Lynch, the front office in San Francisco, went the judicious route and said, hey, let's give this guy a shot. He has won all seven of his starts. He took a 1-10 team and turned them into a 6-10 team. Nothing else changed with that football team except putting Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. Yeah. There's, there's, there's something to be said about that. There is an air around this guy. He's a natural-born leader. He just learned under the best coach and best quarterback that have ever played this game. He's got it. He's got something. Go out there and pay him. So I, I don't understand the ire that has surrounded this sign. No, I mean, too, like people saying you could franchise him, like you just said, you, you can. But a, you're risking spending a lot more money than you need to, and b, you're risking honestly pissing the guy off. I mean, if mm-hmm. if if he thinks he's earned it, and you you know you franchise him, that bothers him a little bit. He goes out and has a great year. What's stopping him from saying, you know what, screw it? You know they didn't they didn't believe in me. They didn't want to sign me. I'm going to go test my market on you know test my value on the open market, and then you either have to end up way overpaying for him and getting in a bidding war or you just lose him yeah. and you, you basically yeah. threw away 30 million dollars on one season and a second round draft pick to get him yeah matt i don't know if it's a technically a nfl headline but it is a football headline the one they call john football oh trying john, to get back jonathan, into the league. jonathan no. jonathan football jonathan, jonathan james football mm-hmm. um trying to get back in the league claiming not claiming but um informing everyone that he's been dealing with a bipolar disorder and he feels he deserves a second shot. He, it is, it is currently hashtag comeback season as ZN, as, as Johnny previously coined. Um, it is comeback season for Johnny football. Is he on a roster? Uh, so he, he, no, uh, I don't think so. Um, I know he signed in that spring league or whatever the, the one that, um, but I think it's basically like a comeback league for you know league washouts and stuff like that. I don't remember how many league, uh, games or whatever they play, but it's basically a league for washouts to play for scouts and try and get you know a spot. I don't I don't think he's back yet. Um, I, I I'm happy that it seems like he's turning his life around and, and hopefully that you know he's he's getting the help he needs and all that stuff. But I'm still kind of in I'll believe it when I see it type mode with him, uh, and I think uh-huh. he's kind of earned that reputation. Um, again, hopefully he, he's, he's getting his life back together and is taking positive steps and has actually changed for the better, but he's screwed up so many times in the past and made so many big time bad mistakes that I, I'm rooting for him as, as a person, but I don't necessarily, I can't necessarily say I'm rooting for him as a football player, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, uh, I think I'm there with you, Matt, because coming out of college he was the type of player where you want him to succeed and put the put the personal issues aside just as a football player I don't think it was there on a professional level and I don't think that anything that's happened in his life over the last three years has allowed him to further his ability to further his game he was one of those guys who was electrifying on the college level your Tim Tebow's your you know your other guys who are Heisman's who are some of the greatest college football players to ever play the game but it's a whole different game when you get to the NFL. Uh, only a certain type of quarterback succeeds, and history tells us that Johnny Football was never that type of quarterback. So regardless of his bipolar disorder, getting his head on straight, I don't know if the talent is there, the ability is there. I don't know if he fits scheme. I don't know if he fits certain teams and what they're trying to do. Someone's going to really have to take a chance on this kid to give him an opportunity to even prove that point, that yeah. he does have enough game to be a NFL quarterback. I'm rooting for him because I love the personality. I love the persona. I love the kid. I love how electrifying he was. I just don't know if the NFL is the place for him. Yeah, and I, I think that's pretty well said. And, you know, hopefully 
he continues taking positive steps in his life for you know him personally and all that. And if he gets back into an NFL roster, great. I just I'm not certain, like you said, he has the talent and ability to get back. It's not like this was you know Tom Brady who had you know a mental breakdown, collapse, whatever, and you know had to leave the league for a couple of years. Going to, to his it's, to his defense, to his defense, going to Cleveland doesn't help anyone. No, it doesn't. But at the same time, he <laughs> was also awful in yeah. Cleveland. He was on the same team as Brian Hoyer, and Brian Hoyer outperformed him when he got starts. So, don't, don't you sell Brian Hoyer? I love Brian Hoyer. I was a big well, Brian Hoyer fan back in the day. He won me a lot of money. We go from uh, we go from Brian Hoyer and Johnny Football to a surefire future Hall of Famer first ballot. If I had a vote, Larry Fitzgerald gonna lace him back up for what is it? His sixth, fifteenth, I think season, fifteenth season. Just the ageless, the timeless Larry Fitzgerald. I know, kind of flew under the radar last year. Uh, I think he dealt with some injuries, but still found himself up near the top of a number of receiving categories in the NFL. Um, still 109 catches for 1,156 yards last year. At, at what is he, 37? 30, he turns 35 on August 31st. At 35 years old, still surpassing the 1,000-yard mark. Mm-hmm. The guy can still get it done. Why not go out there and lace him up? You're still feeling good. Larry Fitzgerald has always been a... You know, he's always taken a backseat to your Chad Johnson's Terrell Owens. I know he came out a little on the tail end of that, but your boisterous, loud wide receiver, just because he was so workman about the way mm-hmm. he got things done. A great guy. Uh, happy to see him coming back for another year, and hopefully they can get him a quarterback there in Arizona that can get him the damn ball because that's something that he hasn't had in the past. I, I'm going to ask you a question. I was going to do it in buy or sell, but I, I'll bring it here because I think this is a big enough topic to do before segments. If he is Larry, not that they're going to, not that I'm predicting the Cardinals to win a Super Bowl by any means this year, but is Larry Fitzgerald a Super Bowl away from being the greatest receiver of all time? Because he um, is, he is 390 yards away from passing To, I think to to put him second on the all time yards list, and yeah. 92 catches away from passing Tony Gonzalez to be second on the all time receptions list. And I, you, don't, I I don't want to take anything away from Jerry Rex. Jerry Rex is great. He change the position, all that stuff. But he also had Joe Montana and Steve Young throwing him for, throwing him for all those years. Larry Fitzgerald had Kurt Warner for three or four years. And outside of that, he yeah. had a bad Carson Palmer. He had Drew Stanton. He's had John Skelton. Like, you look who he's had to throw yeah. to him. And not only – the third thing with him is he's – you know, he started out as that deep threat, that X or Z receiver that, you know, makes moves on the outside. But he has made the seamless transition to a slot receiver – he has selflessly done that, and you know, put his ego, Matt, checked his ego at the Matt, door, moved over, Matt, and he's now a slot receiver. Do you need me to answer the question? Or no, sorry, I was just, I was making just, my point first. Okay, well, so. <laughs> there you go. Now that that's out there, my point is, Matt, that outside of the quarterback position, when you're talking about greatest of all time, I don't think rings factors into it that much. Fair how many enough. does Randy Moss? How many does Randy Moss have? None. That's the greatest receiver of all time. I don't think. I don't think we've ever seen a receiver do what Randy Moss did on a football field. And I will go to the grave thinking, unless, I mean, we could see some great things and hopefully, uh, hopefully we do. And hopefully we do see some guys who transcend the game. Randy Moss size, speed, ability, hands was the greatest receiver to ever step on the field. Jerry Rice got it done, won championships, was unstoppable and never ran under a four, five, 40. He was not a burner. He was a route runner. He did everything correct. You can have that argument all day. But my point is that you can be in the conversation like a Randy Moss without having that ring. I think Larry Fitzgerald is already in that conversation of or should be in the top receivers of all time without that ring. He's been to Super Bowls. He's sniffed it. He's gotten close Mm -hmm. with minimal help around him. I think that he should be in that conversation. I don't think that rings factor into it as much as when you're talking about, per se, let's say a quarterback. No. I'm, I, I definitely agree with there. I think my point with the ring is, would that put him over the top so much? Not that, Again, not that I mm-hmm. think they're going to get mm-hmm. it this year because as far as I'm concerned, I, we still don't know who's taking snaps well, for them if that's this year the question, center. If that's the question, would the ring make him the greatest of all time? My answer would be no because I don't think the value on the ring when talking about greatest of all time at wide receiver increases or decreases a guy's value that much. I Here's, think when you're talking about a receiver, you're talking more about his ability, the highlights he had, his numbers, that type of thing. Here's my argument with Randy Moss, and I love Randy Moss. He's one of my favorite football players of all time to watch. My, 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 my thing with him was as great and talented as he was, he still did have kind of those down years where he wasn't, you know, he, he took the year in Oakland where he kind of took off and kind of after 
he left New England, kind of was never the same receiver again. Mm-hmm. Larry Fitzgerald, like I just said, put up over 100 receptions and over 1,100 yards at age yeah. 34. Like yeah. he, he's never had, success. He's really never had a bad year. Obviously, earlier on in his career, he had years that were better than the ones he's putting together now because you know time is undefeated. But at the same time, he's still one of the most productive receivers in all of football at age 35. But did, he's never had that drop-off. But did Larry Fitzgerald ever fake moon the people of Green Bay, Matt? That's true. That's my question to okay. you, Randy no. Moss. Argument Goat over. status. Goat status. Oh, That's as good as Matt. Well, Larry Fitzgerald also uh, showing off his skills on the golf course last week at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. He poured in like a 45-footer, made his way on every highlight uh, you could see. Joe, just, talk definite, about, just talk he's about what Pebble Beach game. like in person. Oh, okay. Well, uh, just tell me any your stories. Pic- any picture you've seen, any video you've seen, any tournament you've watched at Pebble Beach does not do it justice. It is a breathtaking property just nestled into the land's end over there in the Monterey Peninsula. And it is really, it's a sight to see. I actually got to sit down with the superintendent, the guy who sets up the course, make sure everything, uh, you know, is in line leading up to these tournaments. And um, it's a busy time for him because they got the Pro-Am, they got the USAM coming up, they got a Champions Tour event, they got next year's Pro-Am, and then they have the uh, 2019 US Open. So uh, Superintendent Chris Dahlhammer's got uh, got his hands full. But First off, that's a fantastic name. Chris Dahlhammer, right? Secondly, fantastic, did you get us a tea time? Fantastic guy. I got his card, so okay. we're going we're so to finesse our way in. We'll have a, we'll have like, a company outing. Yes, we'll have, a, we'll have a company outing out there, but uh, it is an absolutely breathtaking, <clears throat> excuse me, an absolutely breathtaking uh, property, and until you get down there, until you see it, it is, it's part of a community, the, the, the Pebble Beach community, it's just, there's homes surrounding it, you don't, you don't really get an idea of how cozy, I, think, I don't know if cozy is the word, but how cozy it is there. And I picture it being cozy. So, I was, just my, my moment at Pebble that, that I'll always remember was, I was shooting some B-roll for this story that I was doing, you know, getting some cool shots, and I'm on 17, uh, the par three there, getting some shots of guys working on the greens, Charlie Hoffman hitting a couple putts, you know, warming up, this and that, and I, I trip on something. I was just like walking greenside, and I trip, and I look down, and it's the plaque uh, of where Tom Watson chipped in at the U.S. Open, and just that moment to be standing there and realize, whoa, there's some there's some serious history around here. It was uh, it was cool as a golf fan and as a fan of uh, you know just the history of the game and that's a place where the history oozes around every corner. So it was definitely a, an awesome experience. I do not like you. <laughs> I apologize. I could send you the picture because no, you know, I'm good. No, I'm, I'm good. You know, I took no, I'm a good. picture yeah, of the black. No, I think I saw it on Instagram <laughs> or Twitter wherever you put it. Yeah, got to do got to do a couple stand ups uh, on the fairway. Oh, I also. I covered the um, Wednesday. They do like a charity shootout with a bunch of the amateurs that are there, a bunch of the celebrities. So uh, got uh, got within about five feet of Bill Murray, Clint Eastwood. Um, there's a definite drop off after those two, but Josh Dumal, Carlton from uh, which we call it from from Fresh, Fresh Prince. Prince. They were all playing. Yeah. Yeah. They were all playing in that uh, pro am. Nick Faldo was on the bag for Clint Eastwood. So it was cool to be around the likes of those individuals. Very cool. I, I can't. You hate me. You hate me? Yes. Okay. Yes, I, a little bit. Let's just move on then. Uh, I specifically Woods, asked to be your plus one, but that's fine. Tiger, I didn't have a plus one. You could have demanded um, one. I guess so. But again, you would have had to flown across country, Matt. No so, problem. So I'll do it. the shoe henceforth on the other foot. Oh, I'd have done that say. in a heartbeat. If I, if I had say. a free trip to Pebble, Joe, I'd have been there in a heartbeat. <laughs> Matt, uh, if you could fill right here, I am opening up my PGA Tour leaderboard. Tiger, oh, I already have back it. in He's action. Even. You got it? He's, He's even, even through 11. Through, um, I, I, even through 11. Do, do you follow the Tiger tracker on Twitter? I do because have the Tiger. I follow Tiger Tracker. Because it's fantastic. I was scrolling through watching that this morning. He's he's having the same pr- problem he had at Torrey. He is, he is struggling can't off find the, the fairway. Team, struggling with the, the driver a little bit. Can't hit the fairway. But he's still scrambling, keeping himself involved. So if he can, if he can straighten out that driver, nobody's really lighting the world on fighter day. We got I was gonna uh, say, three what's the lead under. Lead, leads okay. at three under. So he's okay. you know easily in the cut line right now. Uh, okay. I, I haven't seen him yet, and I don't think we'll get to see him today because I think he was one of the first, like if not the first, first groups off, and that's star-studded group with, uh, with JT and, and Rory. But mm-hmm. uh, if he can straighten out that driver, man, he's going to look good. Yeah, I like it. I like where the game's at, and I always like when Tiger's out there playing, so it'll be fun to watch him down the stretch. 
Uh, before we get into some segments here, Matt, I know we talked a little bit of, uh, you know, just our excitement level for the Winter Olympics and how it might not be where it is for the Summer Olympics, but with a week under our belts, Sean White, Chloe Kim, all these names that some we knew, some we didn't, what's your, what's your, what's your biggest memory week one of the Winter Olympics 2018 I, I think it's got to be Sean White at this gotta point. Got to be Sean White. Uh, yeah. That that run was awesome. I, I didn't watch it live, but I've seen the video now, uh, you know, a bunch of times. And mm-hmm. the, basically, the reaction for me afterwards was pretty awesome. Um, yeah, I, I'm watching right now. I actually have it on the background. The uh, the biathlon, which is cross country skiing combined with uh, shooting a gun yeah. I'm at good. a target. I'm good That's kind of that. fun. Um, yeah, good. It's not as cross country skiing. I can when I watch country, cross country skiing, my hamstrings just they tighten. Oh up. my god, they they, they see what's happening. It's it's like when you're trying when you're going skiing and you're trying to get to a lift and you don't want to pop your skis. That's so uncomfortable, and to do that as a sport, just get out of my face. I think what get bothers me most about cross country skiing, and they have to do it this way because I think there's so many involved in it, or like this, this biathlon event is they don't all start at the same time. So it's a, mm-hmm. they basically like they're like you're judged on your, you know, your final time, your score, whatever. So I know most sports and most Olympic sports don't do that, but like, it's a race and they're all like kind of going, but it's like one <laughs> it's gets race. left off after a minute and all that. And, like, I want to uh-huh. see, like, I want to see you going down to the finish. Like, I want to see a, like a, like a dead sprint for the finish between two guys, not like a dead sprint for a guy against the clock. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not for me. I watched a little speed skating. Speed skating is fun. The guy from, uh, curling, curling's great. I can't. I don't. I don't get into that. Curling I feel like nap you, is up there with the golf nap, Joe. I feel like if you gave me and you like a few weeks and a couple curling stones, we could be at an Olympic level. That's probably you, an you know, ignorant Joe, next thing time to you're say. Out, next time you're back home, I believe it's in like Northbrook or something. They have let's do a, it. They have a curling rink that that could make for some nice content. Moose and runes go like, curling. It's like, oh, Joe really let go of that stone with the perfect weight. And look like, at come Matt's on, get out of my face. Get out of my face, Matt. I'd, but I think I'd this, be a great this, sweeper. He would be a great sweeper. Um, I think Pl- this perfectly Pl- taught me that. <laughs> keep on working. Keep Stop. on work, Matt. I think uh, this segues us perfectly into your grievance, does it not? It does. Hit the music. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. No. You're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. So the the Winter Olympics have been fun, no doubt, but I I think there's also, um, you can't deny it as well, Joe, there there is something missing this year. Um, The Winter Olympics are never up there with the Summer Olympics in terms of, you know, overall excitement, but I would argue that Olympic hockey is the most exciting of the sports when it's at its best, including Olympic basketball, just because, you know, as, as cool as mm-hmm. Olympic basketball might be, you know, Team USA is winning, if not losing in the finals every year. Uh, my, my grievance is, again, with the NHL. Uh, I know we've talked about it on here. Uh, their, their inability to see the opportunity to grow the game in, in a different market, I, I, I think... If you if you take a look at hockey as as an overall sport, it, it, the last I'll go back to 2010 to the Vancouver Olympics over the last eight years now, mm-hmm. I think arguably the most st- the, the moment that stands out overall in the game above any else is the 2010 Olympic gold medal game between Team USA and Canada. I would say after that in America, um, number two would be the, the shootout with Russia. And I'm talking about all NHL games, all Olympic games. I would say those games, those moments stand out more than any other and this is another golden opportunity i know it's in it's in asia and a time zone that's not convenient here um it, it's another opportunity missed to grow the game and i i had this sent to me um it, it's 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 a clip off from an article uh, about why the nhl was wrong but just taking kind of some bits and pieces that the, they're debating not only not going this year which they haven't but they're debating skipping going to the the beijing olympics in 22 missing out on a chinese market that is absolutely huge, that is rabid for sports, that has shown, you know, when the NBA went there in Beijing, I think it was 2012, whatever it was, uh, I believe that that the NBA took off even more so in that market. It's a chance to grow a game in a market that hasn't really been tapped yet. And you're talking about the same league here that has decided it's a good idea that they should only show Connor McDavid, the league's most electric player, three times on national TV all year. That Austin Matthews, the second young, youngest, most, most athletic player in the league, I don't think I've seen on national TV yet this year. He's probably been on there five times. 
and thinks it's a better idea to show me Bruins flyers on Sunday morning for the 15th straight time this year. Um, it, it's, it's just an enraging moment time for me as a hockey fan to see the NHL dropping the ball again. Such an awesome opportunity to grow their game in a new market on the national stage to create another moment because this was probably Team USA's year to compete, to grow their own you know, country's market pit them against Canada, probably the greatest rivalry in hockey would be Team USA versus Team Canada. It's just another missed opportunity. And the fact that they're thinking about doing it again in four more years in China, missing that opportunity, it just, it absolutely enrages me. It's it's just such a gloriously missed opportunity and chances to watch the best in the world compete on the best stage. They're missing opportunities at more moments to grow their game in a time where their game needs to be grown because hockey is not it's it's not a top it's not a top three sport in America. It, but when they're at the Olympics, it has a chance to be. It gives them a chance to be in that national spotlight. And I'm rambling now, but that's just because it frustrates me so much that we don't have a chance to watch this great, unbelievable tournament that pretty much everybody in America has fun watching every four years. Matt, you you make nothing but good points and solid points. I guess my only question for you would be: Do you think that hockey? And, and the league's top officials, the league's top front office or whoever's making these decisions and the people who control the programming and things of that sort, do you think they're happy with where the sport's at and just resigned to being the third, fourth, fifth most popular sport? I, I know that that's, that's not going to fatten their pockets and it doesn't make much sense, but these decisions don't make sense either. Do you think they're resigned to the fate of hockey? I don't know how you could be because like name another time where, you know, people showed up and I, I, I was in college in this, but you were, you were out of college and this was my senior year, but name another time that, you know, people were flooding to bars at five thirty in the morning to watch a hockey yeah. game, Joe. And that's what yeah. happened when team USA played team Russia last year or four, or I remember four years ago. Like that was, I, I can't recall a sporting event in America that has, caused you know garnered more attention than when tj oshi you know had four shootout goals against russia in a pool play game not even a metal round game it's 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 a chance to like i've said a hundred times now it's a chance to grow your game on the greatest stage in the world and they're worried about losing a couple dollars they're they're worried about taking two weeks off when they already give each team a week-long bye week every year and an all-star break Mm -hmm. here's your here's you mean they, they don't promote the all-star game anyways, so why not lose the all-star break, lose the each team's bye week, and there's 10 days of your two weeks. It's really yeah. not that hard. It gives the players, by the way, a nice two weeks to regenerate, take some time off. The ones who aren't going to the Olympics, take some time off and kind of recoup themselves before going back for your playoff stretch run and basically just refreshes 90% of your league before going down you know, under their playoff run to the playoffs, which will in, hey, in turn make the playoffs better. Hey, NHL, call my boy up. He's got some good ideas. Yeah. How's that sound? Give like Matt Rooney a job. We'll figure call, this damn call, thing out. Call Gary. Get Gary Bettman on the phone. Get Gary on the phone, Matt. Well, thank you for uh, enlightening us there because it's also a reason on the other side of it. It's also a reason for people to watch the Olympics. Yeah. And not, I, even, from, not even from a hockey NHL standpoint, but from an Olympic standpoint, you lose a lot of viewers. And I know a worldwide event, something as large as as the Olympics, it's, it's a small drop in the bucket when you're talking about viewership and things mm-hmm. like that. But there is a large contingent of hockey fans who aren't turning to the Olympics because of it. I, I, like I've not made, there's not been one time where I have said I need to turn on the Olympics right now because it's appointment television. Whereas four years ago, I was setting an alarm as a senior in college for five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, and we know if that's, it's five o'clock in the morning and you're not getting on an airplane to a tropical destination, something has to be going on yeah. serious. Hockey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hockey. One, one other thing I didn't bring up, too, it, it, it's pissing off a lot of your players, too. I mean, yeah. you, they, now's the time where a lot of these, you know, the beat writers are asking, you know, players who would have mm-hmm. been there on, on their local teams, kind of, you know, how are you feeling about that? And everyone pretty much says, like, yeah, you know, I'm happy for the guys there, but I want to be there. Like, Alex Ovechkin mm-hmm. has made it no secret he wants to be there. Jonathan Taves, of all people who doesn't like to ruffle anyone's feathers has said like, yeah, you know, we all wish we were there. Patrick Kane has said that all these players wish they were there. And it's just going to, what it's going to do is it's just going to be another factor leading into another lockout. And we'll make, I think Gary Bettman's fourth consecutive lockout when a collective bargaining agreement's up. So keep doing your job. Well, let's move on before I, uh, before <laughs> I, yeah, I was going to say, Matt, what do you say? We, what do you on. say we transition here before you blow a gasket? How's I already that? might have, but let's move on. All right. Uh, let's jump into some segments by ourselves. What do you say? Yeah, start us off. 
I was going to say you start us off just so you didn't have to get angry again. But okay, okay you want off. me to? Okay. No, I'll start us off. Okay. This is something I okay. doubt you're passionate about. Sure. Matt, buy or sell uh, next year, Lonzo Ball is a Laker. Uh, I'm going to buy it. Um, I, I think that he's a talented, young, talented player on a very obviously team-friendly, low-paid deal on a, on a team that has still one really bad contract in it, Luol Deng. So I think they might use him as a chip to try and, you know, but cost-effective way to, to lure some free agents. The only contingency to get to that would be if, you know, LeBron says he has a problem with being on, you know, LeVar Ball's son's team and doesn't want to deal with that. Uh, yeah. But I, I'm still going to buy it because he's still a talented player, and I think Magic Johnson, of all people, can probably figure out a way to deal with it. See, I, I go the other way on it because I think that it's L.A., it's the Lakers. He's not the piece that makes things go right now. And 50 games into his career, he hasn't emerged as a perennial powerhouse. He hasn't emerged as undeniable. He's an okay player with a broken jump shot. And he, he's going to get you 10 assists a night or whatever he's averaging. And he's a good player. Good players don't command that. We see the fickleness of the NBA world, of the NBA cycle. And you could just as quick wake up and be on another team. Don't give Magic Johnson another reason to open up more cap space and say, LeBron, you come here on a Supermax deal and we'll go get whoever your best friend is. We'll bring Mello. We'll bring whoever you want. We'll bring George Hill with you. We'll bring whoever you need to bring with us to get you here to L.A. Don't give Magic a reason to open up more cap space going into the offseason. I think that's exactly what Magic Johnson has right now is a reason to get this kid and his dad the hell out of town. It would not shock me. Uh, if he was gone, I just I still think he does end up being there because I'm not 100 percent sold. LeBron is going to the Lakers, but mm-hmm. if if that's what LeBron wants, that is what LeBron will get. So I, I think we yeah. can both agree on that. All right, Matt, well hit me. All right, uh, going back to baseball here. Buy or sell? Jake Arrieta is not on a roster opening day. Um, I'm going to sell it because I think Jake Arrieta is a good enough pitcher with enough bullets left in his arm to maybe not command what he wants, but to go get a contract and go pitch somewhere. I think he's a good piece for teams and teams are always looking for pitching. So whether someone overpays or Arietta comes down to a more reasonable price, I do see him on a team uh, by, by opening day. My way, I, I still, I would, I think I'm, I'm going to agree with you, but I think of the major kind of free agents who are holding out here, for lack of a better term, I, I think he's the one who wouldn't shock me if if he mm-hmm. actually you know held out past opening day because he has the most stubborn agent in all of baseball, and he is, from what we've seen from here in Chicago, one of the more stubborn people. Uh, I think uh-huh. that, that that's his part of his personality that makes him a great pitcher in, in big moments, but... I think he knows what he wants. I think he knows he's not going to get exactly what he wants, but I, I think their last play uh, for leverage, whatever might be, you know, if we hold out a little bit past here, you know, stay in shape, keep working, and, and prove that, you know, you still got stuff in all these workouts and all that, maybe a team who has a slow start and needs some some pitching, whatever, might finally jump the gun and, and overpay to get Jake Arrieta on their roster. That's my only right. contingency. I, I still think he ends up signing now that you got – six years i think jake might get five for a little bit less but if he's set on a number i know he's not going to get exactly what he wants but wait i got six years hold out i got six years stop it (laughs) i'm sorry uh matt i don't have another buy or sell for you that's it that's it i don't have another one for you i'm sorry i apologize we've had we've had 57 minutes we've shortchanged the people what could have been a pivotal buy or sell and i apologize man that's on me what are you gonna do what are you okay. going to do? guess I'll just go again. Matt, buy or, sell, buy or sell me as a podcast partner. How about that? I suppose I have to buy it just because there you I go. don't know where else I'm going. Um, well, there you go. That's, I don't that, really that's have my second options. buy or sell. Yeah. Um, me, Matt. <laughs> buy or sell. Um, I saw this article. It was on Barstool this morning, and it, it, it's similar to the Oreos one. I don't know if you remember my grievance. Uh, uh-huh. A couple months ago, I went, went on a tangent on Oreos, but this about one the bothers flavors, me. Yeah. yeah, which I'm okay. still, I'll still argue about, but I won't get into that. Uh, Write your congressman. Write your congressman. McDonald's is removing cheeseburgers and chocolate milk from their Happy Meals. They, it's, the article says by June you will no longer see cheeseburgers or chocolate milk 
on McDonald's Happy Men- Happy Meal menu? Are you buying or selling this move? And I know I know what you know. Your answer is I just want to get this to you so we can have some discussion about how awful this is. You know, I'm selling it hard because Thank if you. you're going to McDonald's, you already know that um, you're shortening yours and your children's lives. But sometimes you know you're out there. As sometimes parents, you gotta go. See, so you're running around. Kids haven't eaten in a couple hours. They're getting a little antsy. Let's go pick up a Happy Meal. Shut this kid up. All right. And, Somebody and get that this kid was, a Happy Meal. That was that was me. I was the kid moaning in the back seat. My mom would always take us. Right, we'll, we'll get you a Happy Meal. We'll what get a you shock. a Happy you were Meal. You a little loud. And I always, kid. but I was, I was not a chicken nugget Happy Meal guy. I was a cheeseburger Happy Meal guy. So this is the end of an era, I guess, if you will. But well, they yeah, say you can still specifically kid, ask for it if you want it, uh-huh. but it will not be on the menu. So you have to go uh, so, off menu to get the so cheeseburger and the chocolate. Off menu, you gotta know somebody. So I didn't know chocolate. Effort, I didn't even know. I didn't even know that McDonald's had chocolate milk. So I'm fine with that. But I'm selling on getting the cheeseburger. Calls it as, as an effort to cut down calories, sodium, and saturated fat yeah. and sugar. Yeah. Like, if I'm so, going to McDonald's, I know what I'm going there for. I'm not going there to yeah. get a salad in my Happy Meal. I'm going there to get. I'm not that I get Happy Meals anymore. I'm going there <laughs> to get a cheeseburger and feel awful about myself after I eat it. But it's really good. That's why I'm going yeah. to McDonald's. That's why I don't go there every day. It's not day. really good. But when I it's go there, really good. it's fantastic. They, they make that cheeseburger. They make that cheeseburger in a drawer. I it's can't. You still know, delicious. I'm not the person to ask because I have not had non-breakfast McDonald's in over five years. You How still long have you been little, little chicken nuggets? The last time, the le- no, the last time I had a McDouble or a chicken nugget or a quarter pounder was in Bloomington in college. That's that's it. Uh, it's not. There's no appeal. If I want a burger, I'm going to Shake Shack. I'm going to uh, Five Guys. I'm going to now that I'm on the West Coast, In and Out. They do a, Mr. a Mr. wonderful Money cheeseburger. Over here. It's not. I in and you can get an In and Out burger for like I think it's like four dollars after tax. For yeah, you get you double. get double you get double cheeseburger for a buck fifty. Yeah, but that's disgusting because they make it in a drawer. They make the breakfast sandwiches in a drawer too. Yeah, but it's. Egg, boom, roasted. It's not meat. It's egg. I don't know. Really it's it's all disgusting. Meat. Bacon isn't. It's meat. all disgusting. Boom, Who's, roasted. I'm not eating a sausage. I mean, an egg McMuffin. That's the only thing I'm eating from McDonald's. Egg McMuffin, a McFlurry when I'm feeling a little saucy. You don't get a sausage McMuffin. Get no, out of here. I don't. I don't get trust any here. beef meat product from McDonald's. Sausage just, is pork, not beef. I, it's like it's. Like smoking a pack of cigarettes eating a McDonald's. Oh, cheeseburger. no, it's not. Yes, it is. There's carcinogens. No, it's not. It's, Get out of here. It's, Matt, it's killing you, and I don't want to go to your funeral, damn it. Let's get you a good cheeseburger. Well, well one flame, day you'll have to. Something, something flame-grilled, something with a little protein oh, value King. in it, damn it. Burger yeah, King. even they're, they're Burger King. I do uh, love burgers. Go to Wendy's where they actually grill something if you want a fast food burger. We've gotten off the rails here. We've gotten off the rails here, Matt. Uh, you got anything else for the people before I shut us down? I don't remember. So no. So no. Okay. Hit the music. Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. Well, I'm going to shut us down here, Matt, on a uh, bit of a somber note. And we are a Chicago-centric podcast. And I identify within my very heart my very soul as a chicagoan and getting back home always means the world to me and there there are certain ideals that we try and live up to as chicagoans and certain things that are just ingrained in us because of where we grew up and um that's most represented i think a lot of times in our services in our police department in our fire departments in our public works departments and the people that really make our city tick and we lost a great one in Commander Paul Bauer earlier this week. I know everyone saw the news of the uh, police that was um, gunned down off duty, just you know, trying to fulfill his duties that he walked around with every single day, a duty that he identified with even when he was in plain clothes in trying to make our city safe and trying to make our city a better place. And too often we take these people for granted. Too often we don't say thank you. Too often we find ourselves as adversaries of these people where they're the ones that are trying to make our city clean, trying to make our city safe, and um, trying to keep our lives intact. And that's something we take for granted, like the air we breathe. And um, it, it is it is a damn shame. It is, um, it is something that too quickly gets cycled through the news cycle. So I wanted to bring it back, and I wanted to talk about it. And I wanted to shine a little light on Paul Brower, Paul Bauer's life, and um, you know everyone like him. So I challenge you, Moose and Rose listeners, to get on the phone. 
because I know we all know a police officer, whether it be CPD or somewhere else, say thank you, say I love you, say I'm thinking of you, because too often these people go uh, unthanked. So that's my shutdown for the day. And um, hopefully we, we go forth as, as a better place and we can do better as a city. No, Joe, that, that was uh, that was people. very well said. And I, I was actually thinking during the podcast, it was during while you were, you were saying that, that through the 40-some episodes of this podcast that you've done a really good job uh, shutting us down with, or grief, uh, airing a grievance on things like this. And that kind of stunned on me. It, we've had the fact that we've had multiple events, you know, like this go on that we've felt the need to address on a sports podcast. I, I feel like is a very unfortunate part of our society. But again, you, you hit all the right notes. I think that was very well said. Yeah, and uh, let's all just do better, and let's all, you know, try and spread a little love. And that's what we're trying to do here on the Moose and Runes podcast. Thank you guys for listening to this episode forty something of the Moose and Runes podcast, Matt. As 43. always, it is forty three. Forty three. So we had it. We had it right. It is a pleasure breaking it down with you, Matter. Everybody have a great week. Go forth. Say thank you to someone. Hug someone. Love someone. And uh, don't take things for granted. We love you guys. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.